You're listening to Intrepid Healthcare's exclusive coverage of Him 17 Annual Conference and Exhibition. Welcome to our special Join the Conversation show direct from Him 17 in Orlando. Join the Conversation is brought to you by Experian Health. Experian Health, leading the way to help their clients power opportunities to create a better tomorrow. And now, here are your hosts, Joe Lavelle and Todd Yuri. All right, I am Joe Lavelle, and I'm excited to be bringing you Join the Conversation with a special co-host for this episode, Dr. Aaron Albert from our remote studio right here in Experian Health's booth. I'm going to give a quick shout-out Experian Health. They were named Best in Class for Patient Access 2015, 2016, and 2017. What a great honor and well-deserved. We're going to get right to it today, though. I want to introduce our distinguished guest, Nick Atkins, co-founder of RealDX, advisor to several companies, and more importantly, the man who started the Pink Sox movement. Nick, welcome to the show. Joe, thank you. It's good to be here. All right, Nick. Before we begin our discussion, why don't you take a few seconds and just give the audience a little bit about you and your background. Well, I live in Portland, Oregon now. I moved there five years ago from Nashville, Tennessee, where I was a suit-and-tie healthcare executive. And in 2010, for the first time, I went to this thing called Burning Man, which is out in the desert in Nevada. And I came back from that and said, you know what? I think I'm done wearing a suit and tie. <laughs> and ended up selling a healthcare company that I was part of there and moved to Portland, Oregon in April of 2012 and haven't really looked back. I really do ride a pink furry bike. I call it the pink Cadillac. Awesome. And I really do wear a kilt every day. When I moved to Portland in 12, April 12 and June, right after I got there. I met a burner, a guy from Burning Man that owns a kilt company in Portland. And he said, you ever worn a, a kilt? I said, no. He goes, you want to try one? And in Burning Man fashion, I said, yes, because yes is where the adventure is. Yes is where the fun is. If you say no, it's over, right? So I said, yes, I'll try that kilt. That's the last time I wore pants. Really? June of 12, I only wear kilts and only their brand. So it's real. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little bit about me. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Nick, could you give us a 10,000-foot overview of the Pink Sox movement? Joe, I tell you, it's amazing. And I'm very grateful to be just a small part of this thing. But my friend Andrew Richards and I, in hymns of 15, was in Chicago that year. We said, people are always coming up and commenting on my socks. Because when you wear a kill, you have to wear a fun socks because you see your socks. And crowd favorites everywhere we went tended to be these pink ones and the mustaches on them. So when Andrew and I went to Hems 15 that, that year in Chicago, we packed little backpacks with a bunch of these socks and said, we'll just give away socks every time somebody comes up and talks to us. And it just kind of took off. And we kept doing that conferences we went to and just all based around a principle of gifting, which is one of the 10 principles out at Burning Man, how we survive out there to all get along. And now, Joe, it's thousands of people around the world that have these pink socks. Some people say, what does it mean? For some people, it's disrupting healthcare from the ground up. Some people, it's patient experience, patient voice, quality. There's a really awesome group in Wales that's fighting ataxia, a rare disease. And so they've rallied around pink socks. I say whatever they need to mean for you is what they mean. Love and it. and uh, for me, they mean that we had a connection we shared space once upon a time i saw you smile and you saw me smile we got to sit in that moment for a minute and the socks are just an archive of that and like i say every time you wear your socks you're going to make somebody else smile so it's a gift that just kind of keeps giving and as you know joe and there in the pink socks tribe 
they're from all walks of life and all different points of the healthcare continuum, the delivery chain. So from patients to rad techs to lab techs to doctors, nurses, patients, CEOs of global companies, everywhere in between. And the common bond is that we're all in this thing together and we're just trying to make a difference and have a common theme of empathy and connection and it's just been fun to be a part of so it's really really fun and joe thank you for the opportunity to pinch hit for todd yuri today with nick i wanted to follow up on your previous comment about disruption in healthcare. what does that mean to you and being here at hymns i think where we're kind of on the zeitgeist of a lot of healthcare change what does disruption look like in terms of healthcare positivity i guess yeah that word disruption right it's kind of a weird buzzword Does disruption mean that we're actually going to displace something or we're going to replace something? I'm not really sure, right? I mean, healthcare is an industry. We're so far behind. Things move so slow in healthcare that I sometimes shake my head and say, well, why are we not using all of this cool technology? We come to these conferences, specifically HIMSS, we see a lot of awesome technology. Why is it really being deployed? Why in 2017 are we still having the struggle of interoperability, per se, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so much stuff happening right now in the world that I think we are ripe for some disruption. And I think something's going to happen. It can't keep going the way it's going. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Affordable Care Act. But the technology is here, no doubt. Nick, I came to know you before the Pink Sox movement, and I knew you as a telemedicine expert in your early days with RealDX. And I guess I want to get your insight and advice as someone on the inside. Can telemedicine, is it really making headway? Is it improving care coordination, the type of things that I think telemedicine can really do for patients? Absolutely. Kaiser Permanente, they put out a release, I guess, last August saying that they had done 52% of their encounters last year virtually. <laughs> and that's only growing, right? And when most people think Kaiser, they say, oh, well, that's something that's only out in California. No, it's not. Kaiser's got a really big footprint, right? And think about it. And I was just over at Intermountain, my friends at Intermountain Health, Todd Dunn, speaking with them. I think states like Utah, a lot of rural area there, a lot of people having to come in far away to get to Salt Lake City to get to a center they're already using telemedicine so these patients don't have to make that long drive in Banner in Arizona did a program jointly with Phillips they started three or four years ago same thing the Banner program is all around seniors so people go oh well there's an age demographic here that won't adopt the technology Eh, wrong and Banner and Phillips have already proven that in Arizona I don't know why more people don't choose it. I mean, the reimbursement parity issues are becoming a non-issue, so providers get paid for it, so that's off the table as a resistance. I think a lot of it's just awareness. Sometimes patients aren't aware that their providers, their payers are offering this. And in United California, they have three or four different vendors they offer for their members that have their health coverage. Is quality an issue, too, because there's... I don't know. There's this misperception that unless you're eyeball to eyeball with someone, you're not going to get as good a quality of care, which I don't know if I could argue against or for, because you could have a great one-on-one teleconference versus live patient interaction. And whether or not that patient chooses to adhere to whatever therapy 
is always kind of a $64,000 question, right? Correct. Well, let's think about it. In our real lives, and our non-going-to-the-doctor lives, we use FaceTime, we use Google Hangouts, we use Skype, we use something, right? Yeah. Do you feel like you're less connected to the person you speak to by using that, or do you feel like you're more connected than just talking to them on the phone or texting? I mean, I feel more connected. That's why we do it. So many things in healthcare, non-acute things, they don't really acquire for a provider to palpate you to actually put hands-on. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the part that's really going to blow your mind. So we're talking about just people being aware that it's even available just in its basic form, in its Skype or Google Hangout type form, if you will, but on secure platforms, obviously. Technology already exists today and is being used incorporating virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, full-blown spatial 3D relativity experiences with haptic technology. And I'm going to give a shout out to the folks at Philips that are doing this in partnership with HoloLens. And I was fortunate enough to visit them in Amsterdam and get a demo of this. So I know it's real. I've done it. I've seen it. So imagine being in a telemedicine experience, though, now that it's in 3D and it's totally immersive. And so you actually think you're in the doctor's office having a conversation with your doctor, but she's not really there. And you're not really there either. You're sitting at home at your kitchen table or on the sofa. But in your mind, you're actually having this conversation. And she's actually able to reach out hands and you feel it using haptic technology. Yeah. Okay. Of course, that's not widely adopted right now. But just think, in a few years, however many years that takes, that's how we're going to experience life. And so we can get stuck on, is telemedicine good? There's a whole generation behind us that aren't going to have this conversation. There's a whole wave of millennials and new doctors who are being trained right now at places like Dell Med School and Washington State University in Spokane's has a med school. They're taking their first class right there. Andrew Richards is a friend of mine (laughs) heading up the tech scene at WSU Med. They're taking in their first students in August in Spokane solely based around using all of this kind of cool technology. They're Mm -hmm. not even going to have textbooks. They're going to use full-on immersive stuff. And so that's the new doctors that are being trained that's what's coming out i know joe we 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 get caught in these chat things and whether it's hits them or healthcare leader each week the, the joke is somebody always brings up something about fax machines so we <laughs> we all still kind of joke about how we're having to use fax machines but the way that the new doctors are being trained they're using stuff that's it's the holodeck star trek right now nick i live in the opposite of silicon valley from a technology standpoint in alabama But this will go to show you that we're taking these barriers down fast and furious. When we moved there six years ago, telemedicine wasn't anywhere on anyone's radar. And I started talking to my doctors. My first project ever in healthcare 27 years ago was doing teleradiology. And at that point, we thought, okay, we're going to do radiology, then we're going to do cardiology, then we're going to do whatever, and we'd be fully tele within five years. So my career has been built on waiting for that to happen. So it's so exciting. Yep. Well, this goes to show you it's happening. I've told my doctors, you're fired if I don't have a telemedicine solution with you within 12 months. And they're like, ah, you're just this brash guy. <laughs> In December... Blue Cross Blue Shield of Alabama, who covers 90% of the commercial pay population in Alabama, sent out a little card from Teladoc, their partner in telemedicine in Alabama, 
50% of the people now have access to telemedicine. I took it into my doctor. I said, I'm a quack job, right? <laughs> and unfortunately, he's a part of this big healthcare network that has to develop and adopt telemedicine for him to be able to do it. But I will fire him, and not because I don't like him, but it's that they're not serving me the way I need to be served. I went to the doctor last week. I drove, took me 20 minutes to get there. I waited 45 minutes in the waiting room. I spent three minutes with him. I got some blood drawn, so I would have had to go somewhere to get some blood drawn, and then I left. That could easily have been me sitting in my office waiting on him to pop in and say the three things he had to say, and then he could write me a script, and I'd go get blood drawn somewhere. And. His time would have been better used. My time would have been better used. And as someone who's been a consultant in this, I realize that's not that easy. I, I People think, like me and you have to help them redo their workflow. I think Joe's getting a new doctor. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> but, 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 but it's but also going to take... tip at Teladoc. That's, no, you're doing some work with the good folks at Experian in Franklin, Tennessee. And I'm actually tomorrow talking with Henry Phillips, who's the chief medical officer over at Teladoc. He's a good friend. Awesome. He, he lives up in Franklin. And Linda, who can't be here, EMR answers. She got, unfortunately got sick. She lives over right in the same area. And I was really looking forward because I'm going to be in Nashville next week to get together with some people there and at the Loveless Cafe at awesome. right, right there with some of the best biscuits in the world, Nashville so, and Franklin. So, Nick, <laughs> what do you hope to get out of him 17? Well, the number one thing that happens at all of these conferences, and I think Hims is probably one of the biggest, obviously, is the opportunity to meet really awesome people. And so people say, Nick, what do you really do? I said, well, you get to travel around. I get to see really cool technology, and I get to meet awesome people. And that's kind of my takeaway for this one. I want to see some cool technology while I'm here, and I want to meet some awesome new people and run into some awesome friends that I already have. I don't really have a a set agenda of anything else that I want to do. I'm excited this year about AI. I'm excited about seeing more stuff with VR, MR, AR. I'm excited about sitting in on some conversations around blockchain okay. and healthcare. Again, there, there's just so much stuff. I think blockchain is going to be another one of those where people are going to argue about it, argue about it, argue about it, but it's, it's just going to happen. <laughs> like telemedicine. When the yeah, forces right. all align, you know, go forward. <laughs> Nick, one of the things that I really wanted to make sure I ask you, you're so popular on social media. You're so well-connected. Maybe if you could just offer a few tips for people to help them be more effective on social media. Well, I tell you, I try to avoid talking politics. <laughs> a and plus. I, and I, I try not to even read that stuff. But, you know, the biggest thing is just be nice. Don't get on there and be ugly. And just say nice things about other people. And guess what? They'll say nice things about you. I love it. And if you go back to my tweets, I have that same thing. You just got to be nice, right? I mean, what are you going to gain from blasting somebody? It might make you feel better that (laughs) second, but it's out there forever. Right. And the last thing I want is my son or grandkids someday going and finding some tweet where I blasted somebody. It made me feel good for three seconds, and now he's got this thing printed out that I have to explain. There's no way you can explain the context. So in a 140 tweets, I love that or characters, there's no room to be anything but nice. I love that advice. Good deal. 
All right, Nick. Well, it looks like we're running close to out of time here. Before we let you go, how do people contact you and learn more about what you're doing and the Pink Socks movement? Yeah, the website for Pink Socks is pinksocks.life. It'd tell the whole story there and a bunch of pictures there of some awesome tribe members around the world and see what they're doing. We try to celebrate each other's moments every day and, and retweeting each other and seeing what everybody's doing around the world. My Twitter handle is at NickIsInPDX, N-I-C-K-I-S-N-P-D-X. And looking forward to meeting some new people. Well, and I'll say this, without any prompting, you are accessible. So anybody that tweets to you, I know that you will show them the love and engage with them. And I certainly have appreciated that over the years. Yeah, thank you, Joe. All right. It's a real pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for making the time to share your great wisdom with our audience. Thank you, Joe, Aaron. It's awesome to be here. Thank, thank you. you. All right. That wraps our live broadcast. Again, we want to shout out a quick thanks to our great sponsor, Experian Health. On behalf of our guest, Nick Atkins, and my co-host, Dr. Aaron Albert, I'm Joe LaBelle. We hope you'll stay tuned for more of Intrepid Healthcare's great Join the Conversation coverage live from Orlando. Smarter business decisions. A better bottom line stronger relationships with patients. That's what more than 3,000 hospitals and health systems and 7,000 other healthcare providers, 60% of all U.S. healthcare organizations are experiencing as partners of Experian Health. Experian Health provides industry-leading revenue cycle management, identity management, patient engagement, and care management solutions that power opportunities in today's value-based healthcare environment. Find out for yourself by going to www.experian.com forward slash healthcare. Bookmark that site to keep abreast of Experian Health's transformative service offerings.